What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. Yes, we are back. After about a month, we are back. It is a Wednesday evening, and we had to come back because PG is back. So PG's back, Brandon's back, and we are potting once again as we are gearing up for the stretch run. The Clippers just have a handful of games left, so we have... Shap on today. We got to have our man Shap from the Law of the Jam podcast <laughs> on today to chat about the Clippers because he was there in person. He is apparently now a Hollywood celebrity that's sitting courtside. <laughs> but before we get to him, listeners, please take a moment. Follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter follow now yeah i'm not kidding he, he is apparently now up there with dr oz he's up there with any other top doctor dr phil it's, it's yeah it's dr shap well, actual, actual doctors please but but yeah 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 right <laughs> listen you know what I, I see on twitter i see justin wilson la clippers film posting a picture of court being courtside i'm like okay and then oh here comes shap with his picture of being courtside as the two guys Posted a picture together on that Lob the Jam podcast. Two one three hoops. You see him everywhere and anywhere talking Clippers. It's Shap back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Shap, what's up, man? I mean, if if we were on there, it's pretty much like the Ethos Clippers podcast was also on there since we're featured on 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 uh, on here too. So it wasn't just the Lob the Jam representing up there. But uh, I'm good, man. I'm very good. I mean, I'm as good as the Clippers right now. Uh, got a huge win yesterday, and um, Paul George is back, and the vibes are immaculate again. So it was it was a huge, huge win that the Clippers had after they were down 25. It was down to the dumps. I'm uh, I'm hyped. I'm honestly I'm still kind of high off that game. Like it, it was it was an incredible game to see uh, up close and to see it with with our buddy uh, Justin was uh was even more fun our little commentary during the game and uh, the comeback uh just like old times honestly important question whose tickets were they yours or his <laughs> they were they were our friends uh, uh shout out to natasha die who's also pretty prominently on twitter um she uh, had a hookup for the tickets we were both going to the game um uh-huh. and then she had those tickets and she kind of just hooked it up so shout out to her follow her on at Natasha Dye. She's a lot of fun, too. Loves the Clippers. So uh, she's uh, she hooked us up with those tickets. Yeah, right. Listen, not too shabby. And what a game to come back and sit courtside, too. My goodness gracious. You have Paul yeah. George back. And so here's my deal. First of all, and I said in the intro, it's been about a month. And frankly, it was a matter of me recharging, uh, me having work, and me being uh, doing UC Irvine, your alma mater, women's basketball, That's right. as they were uh, in the Big West tournament going all the way until the final. So I was in Vegas for some uh-huh. time. So it, it's been a it's been a crazy month. But uh, uh, PG's back. I knew I had to come back in the saddle. And I was watching yesterday's game. I haven't been able to watch that much, honestly. It's been difficult finding the time. But and now with, of course close to a one-year-old you got to pick and choose your spots and once the play (laughs) once the playoffs come I will be picking and choosing every spot that there's a game and watching every minute but uh, uh, last night it was a 25 point game I was watching it was a blowout they looked terrible and then uh, I was watching it again when they cut the deficit 
And it cut to 12, they cut to 9, and I went to bed when it was at 9. I, I knew I was going to wake up to uh, to them coming back. I just had that feeling that they've done it before, and it felt like they're going to do it again. And I'll, I'll give you the stat before we get into the actual game. The most 25-point comebacks in the play-by-play era, mm. this year's Clippers have had three. The 18-19 Clippers have had two. 53 other teams have had one. So clearly, this Clippers team enjoys themselves a comeback, especially this year. The most wins after trailing by 20-plus, the Clippers have five of those this year. So this team, no stranger to coming back, and no stranger to coming back against the Utah Jazz, who must have been just looking at themselves saying, here we go again after that Game 6 disaster in L.A. And I want to ask you, first of all, before we get to the PG thing, I want to ask you what it was like in that arena as they were making that comeback, because I'm assuming, were you in the arena for game six or were you? Yes. Okay. So how does that compare to game six? Because obviously one's a playoff game, one's a regular season game. It's probably the closest the arena has felt since game six. I've gone to a bunch of games this year and uh, the arena has been great actually during a bunch of games. Uh, Some notables were um, the Laker game, the the game that I think was technically uh, a Clipper road game where Reggie Jackson was dancing the Seven Nation Army and all that. And uh, he had that huge fourth quarter. Um, that game got really, really pumped. Um, a recent game, the, the Wizards game, was a really exciting game too. Got, the crowd got really behind the Clippers on that game as well. Um, but this was the best game probably probably of the season as far as the crowd was the crowd was completely into the game it felt like a playoff atmosphere nothing quite compares to game six against the jazz because the whole arena was just on fire it was uh, the comeback was unlike anything else it's going to be hard to top that game uh from an in arena standpoint for a very very long time until the clippers are back in the playoffs and doing exciting things this was this was up there though for as far as regular season games go this was uh, the arena was was hyped the comeback was happening. The crowd got behind it pretty quickly, particularly when it got down to like 10 or 8. And you could just kind of feel it in the air. It, it was kind of familiar. It was funny. You know, they were down, I want to say, 76 to 51. And uh, it was 75-50 in game six when Donovan Mitchell hit that near the logo heave around the start of the third quarter that put them down 25. And honestly, like I looked at Justin and I was like, man, look at the score. Like I I couldn't help but kind of think like we're down 25 again. I can't say that we're going to come back for certain, but let's see, you know, like uh, the Jazz are the same team. That's the problem with them. They went 10 for 19 from three in the first half and two for 12 in the second half. They're, They're so dependent on threes for their offense. Uh, they have a pretty good, great shot creator, some good shot creators over there, but their defense remains the same story. It's just Gobert trying to plug a bunch of holes. It's just how it always is with the Utah Jazz. So you get something going downhill, you pull Gobert away from the basket enough, and they're kind of screwed. And the, and the Clippers didn't even go small. Um, they just have flaws. Utah has flaws. And the Clippers have their personnel to really punish them for their flaws. But they didn't even have to exert those the, that personnel yesterday. I absolutely do believe that if this was a playoff game, you know, Covington would have absorbed a good majority of those Hardenstein minutes. Even though Hart played really well, I think small ball would have been utilized more. But Ty Lue, you know, it's just a regular season game. We're getting close to the playoffs. I think he was kind of keeping his cards uh, close to the vest. But um, 
that was it was exciting. It was really exciting. You could feel the energy. You could feel the momentum, and uh, feel the team. And it's not going to help Utah at all when they go seventeen or twenty nine from the line. I mean, when, when they miss free throws, yeah, the amount of times yeah. that they miss free throws. I mean, they're yeah. they're going to be in some trouble there. And the Clippers didn't turn over the basketball much at all. Only eight turnovers compared to fourteen for Utah. So the Clippers did. Obviously, the little things right, and if you do the little things right, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And you mentioned the matchup, and clearly, I mean, it's not a good matchup for Utah. I mean, the Clippers, especially like you said, when they go small and they have the ability to pull Gobert away from the basket. You guys were talking today on Twitter. I think it was you and Justin uh, Russo going back and forth, and you, yeah, there were some yeah. clips that you guys were showing, and just so obvious. I mean, once Gobert is pulled away from the basket, they're useless defensively. So it's exactly what happened with Terrence Mann when Terrence Mann pulled Gobert away from the basket and during that playoff series. And it's just a matchup that really does favor the Clippers. And, yeah. I mean, who knows? I, I'd be surprised if the Clippers end up facing Utah at some point. Um, it's funny because everyone looked at Utah and they said that this team could be someone that perhaps goes far. And this was earlier in the season, of course. But man, it, I, never, I never said that. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people <laughs> They're that... They're frauds, There man. are people... Yeah, there are people that are talking about that. And I, it's just not going to happen. And... They're just not good enough, um, and no Bogdanovich, obviously. That's pretty huge not to have him. So we'll see. And no Ingles, of course. I mean, you lose Ingles, and you're in some trouble. It's just it's not a great team, but uh, the reason why I ask that question is just it's fascinating. The Clippers have nothing to play for right now. I mean, they really, truly have nothing to play for. They've locked, they're locked into that eight spot. So to have the arena going as bonkers as it was compared to game six, where that's a hell of a lot more to play for. It says a lot about this fan base and how much they have really fallen in love with this team and this team that truly never gives up. And if you have a team that doesn't give up, your fan base is not going to give up and your fan base is going to continue to root for you. You look across the lockers, you look across the hallway to the Lakers where they give up time and time again, they get their ass kicked Every game in their fan base, obviously, is fed up. It's the complete opposite with this Clippers team. So it's nice to see that a fan base can get behind a team that clearly cares. And I think that's really important, Shap. Yeah, you know, it's really hard not to root for this team. I mean, they've really essentially emptied every piece of talent, every, you know, drop of talent out of this roster so far without George without Leonard, without Norm Powell now, and they just continue to show up. They, they're, they, <laughs> this team being so good defensively when they really have no right to be that good. It's because Zubat and a lot of guys with some defensive flaws, uh, you know, even a guy like Nico Batum, Robert Covington, those are good defenders, but, you know, they don't have the lateral movement uh, or sometimes, you know, they have the, enough of a wingspan to cover for deficiencies. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think of them as stoppers as much as you think of them as great backline defenders and just heady team defenders. It's really hard not to root for them. Reggie Jackson, who just personifies just the joy of this team, just doing it over and over again on the floor, big buckets. His splits don't tell the story. He's embodied the Clippers as much as any other player on this team. Just nothing but heart and effort and willingness to do what Ty Lue wants him to do, no matter what the roster around him is. And uh, he's really been the most important Clipper all season, considering the health and everything like that. He's been the only playmaker on the floor, often at times the only real point guard out there. And I think the team and I think the fans have kind of gotten behind him, you know, as much as anybody else. And Reggie, the good thing about Reggie is, you know, 
he's mentioned, and he's mentioned even when I talked to him, that everybody is just doing what they what they can do. They're they're it's a next man up type mentality. Um, the team really plays for themselves. They're full of underdogs who kind of embody the the culture of the Clippers and the culture of the city as Reggie Jackson sees it. And it's really hard not to get behind that. And everybody just plays for each other. Isaiah Hardenstein has been quoted talking that he's never been on a team that plays for each other and roots for each other quite like they like this Clipper team does. And when you're doing that behind the scenes, it's going to come on the floor. And it's honestly been the most one of the more fun teams to root for because you've had little expectations and just a bunch of joyful wins. So the the fan base has really gotten behind the team and now they might have something legit to cheer for if if things keep coming their way as far as some injury woes. And we'll talk about that in just a second. You mentioned Reggie Jackson, so I might as well go straight into it. If you have not listened yet to Shap's conversation with Reggie Jackson, he got a chance to interview him in person after that game against the Sixers. They talked for about 20 minutes on a recent uh, The Law of the Jam podcast, so please go and listen to that. It was great to hear Shap talk to Reggie. It's not often that you get a uh, Clippers podcast or any team podcast able to talk to an actual player um, apart from during press conferences. So awesome that Shap was able to do that. So go ahead and listen to that. And Shap obviously just talked a little bit about what Reggie said. So uh, first of all, you and I talked about this briefly off air, but congrats to you, man. That's awesome that you're able to do that. Thank you. And uh, it's really cool. And it shows how hard you guys are working over at 213 Hoops and getting a lot of good content out and especially with the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you to Reggie. Thank you to Cooper with Clippers PR who helped set it up. Uh, Reggie rules and uh, the Clippers are great to, to help us out with that. And um, it was a really fun moment. He's the best. Like He's the nicest guy. He he uh, he would have even stayed longer. Honestly, he's just uh, He's just everything you think about Reggie Jackson when you think about his vibes and you see his post game pressers. That's who he is. Like there's uh there's no uh there's no front there's no you know front there's nothing like that. It's just who he is. So it was really cool to to meet him in person and chat with him in person and just kind of see that that's who the guy is. You know, so it's uh it was an honor for sure. And and uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't. He talks a lot about you know just Clipper culture and being a Clipper, the next man up mentality on the team, his favorite moment as a Clipper, a lot of fun stuff. And Reggie rules. I mean, I just I love Reggie Jackson. He's become a fan favorite. He's become a personal favorite. And his fan, I mean, he's a. Uh his moment was a little bit surprising. So go ahead and listen to that um, and listen to that podcast. It, it was definitely a good one. Uh, before we get to the main story, though, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing in there every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. Check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. All right, we have buried the lead. PG is back. Holy cow, is he back. Three steals in the first quarter, didn't score. Second quarter had eight points. Third quarter had 20 points. Mm. Fourth quarter, he came back in. I wasn't sure if he was going to come back in in that fourth quarter. I went to bed and I saw, I think he was at 26 minutes, I want to say, yeah. after three quarters. Um, and he ended up playing five more minutes, I believe. 
Um, so he yep. was able to come in and he ended up playing 31 minutes, which I'm guessing was a little bit more than Ty wanted to play him in his first game back. But man, Shap, if you would have told me before the game that he had 34 points, two rebounds, six assists, four steals, and a block and shoot 10 of 20, which I think is the most important number there with how poorly he started, to shoot 50%, yeah. including six of nine from three. And you and I talked about this when he got hurt. And I said to you, I thought he was going to be out for the year. I thought it was definitely concerning. You said, don't be so concerned. It's definitely possible he'll be back sooner than we think. Turns out we were both wrong. I mean, he, he was out for a pretty long time. I think longer yeah. than we initially thought for a basketball player that's had this injury. And shorter than I thought as someone that is a big baseball guy and I've seen UCL injuries, um, mm -hmm. sideline guys for a long time. How surprised were you to see him come out like this? Because we've seen him obviously come back from being hurt and perform well. But this seems to be a little ridiculous. 34 points on 10 of 20 shooting, including 6 of 9 from 3. It, how did he look? There's no medicine that could explain how good he <laughs> looked yesterday. I couldn't believe it. There were a few times during that third quarter where uh, I just looked at Justin. And I was like, I don't even care if we win this game right now. Like Paul George looks like Paul George again. And that is not something I expected to say in the first game. He started three for eight and then he finished 10 for 20. So, you know, it's a nice, it's a cool seven for 12 in that second half. And he was great, man. He was so good in that quarter, in that third quarter. He just kind of got on a roll and, uh, and it just felt like old times, honestly. And it, it was just really exciting. You know, even though he was missing shots in, in that um, in that first uh, in that first half, and was kind of looking a little bit hesitant, a little bit on um, on some of his drives, he had some steals on Mike Conley, three steals, and got some layups at the rim, looks at the rim. Maybe he was a little bit hesitant. Maybe he didn't shoot as much. He was moving great. His conditioning looked up to task. He mentioned a little bit of it like in the post game presser about how his conditioning remained really high even though he wasn't using his elbow you could tell really well uh there was a there was a i think jackson frank put out a, a little uh clip about him chasing mike conley on the baseline and getting a steal and at that exact play i remember when it happened live i was like oh my god did you see paul george run through these screens and stay in front of conley like you know the jazz drew up that play for conley to get an easy look you know at the rim and maybe draw in a big and maybe you know pass it to the big or something but george stayed right in front of him and he chased him down the baseline all around two screens and wasn't able to stay away from him and i was really impressed from that play and his defense in general his movement he looked like he hadn't missed a beat he looked like he could have played 10 more minutes he looked great out there and then once he just kind of got into a rhythm in the third quarter i was like what a win for the clippers to have this guy back it was it was so exciting we had some even though reggie didn't shoot well he had some clean lips looks luke Kennard uh had that huge jumper uh that huge three-pointer off a driving kick um, that put the Clippers back up in this game. What a breath of uh, relief from Luke Kennard to have a guy like Paul George creating for him. We're excitedly, we can see some of that Paul George, Kennard pick and pop stuff that we saw before. Even small, small stuff with Paul George and Reggie Jackson. The possibilities are so exciting because we just didn't see that. We mostly saw a lot of Reggie Jackson classic pick and roll with the big or pick and roll with Marcus Morris getting a small one to him. And that was a lot of the playbook. You know, Luke Kennard running off of screens, but defenses anticipated him out there. And now we have a dynamic dynamo out there in Paul George. It looks good. He's trusting his arm. He, he made a couple of drives late into contact. That amazing pass 
uh, to Isaiah Hardenstein for that yeah. one uh, one layup. I mean, he looked spry as hell, and I am very excited at how good Paul George looked. And now the Clippers have the ability to go out there and they can throw five of six of Covington, Kennard, PG, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, and Batum, where you have all guys that can shoot the three ball. Um, mm. And that, of course, is with centers and Zoo and Hartenstein. So w- with the ability now to have this small ball lineup and to spread teams out, they're going to be dangerous. And you mentioned it with what their offense was. And I, I think people forget how good Paul George was and people forget how Paul George led this team. this pretty much this exact team to the Western conference finals last year. And to have him back is absolutely huge. And Stan Van Gundy said it on the telecast last night when they were talking about Norman Powell and how he could be back in seven to 10 days. And Stan Van Gundy said, you add Norman Powell to that lineup. It's a better team than the one that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. So it it just says a lot about what this team could do. And you obviously would like to avoid the Suns. I mean, if you follow my buddy Shane Young on Twitter, he is the biggest (laughs) Suns homer (laughs) in the world, even though he's not a Suns fan. He loves Chris Don't call him a Suns fan. (laughs) No, he's not not a Suns fan. He's a Suns homer. Um, (laughs) And he loves Chris Paul more than I think he loves anybody else. Most Clipper fans. Yes, yes. And so he has said how good the Phoenix Suns are this year, and they really are. I mean, they're uh, one of the better teams that we've seen in quite some time. So you'd like to get that seven seed and face Memphis as badly as Memphis has destroyed the Clippers um, this season. But, Shap, what this team could possibly bring to the table come playoff time, if you add Norman Powell, even if you don't add Norman Powell, this team is still pretty good with Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Batum, and Zoo as your starters. And then your four guys off the bench of Mann, Kennard, Covington, Hartenstein. I mean, that, that's a pretty good nine. And there are going to be some games in the playoffs where it's eight and Hartenstein doesn't see the floor, despite the fact that he has played close to 20 to 24, 25 minutes over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. Um it's it's going to be even if they don't add Norman Powell and, and there's a little bit I kind of mentioned this a few times the timetable general timetable for his injury fits just flushly into the regular season mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to expect expect him to be back I do think there's optimism about him coming back but it'd be great to see him be in some contact you know he's gonna ramp up like you normally would from any sort of injury particularly when you're out of a boot once we get more information I think in a week we'll have a little bit more of an idea but then you're just running out of room right for him to play games so I think Norm is go- is going to be right around. Hopefully, you know when the play in game or so is. But right, e- even now with just Paul George on the makeup of this team, and, and I don't, you know, it's hard to kind of say whether or not the team is better than last year's as r- of right now because Pat Beverly was on that team. Um, but they upgraded at center with Hardenstein and Robert Covington is on this team now too, and, and Rocco at times uh, before Paul George came back was the best Clipper on the floor. Um, and he 
It's really good. And I hope Ty Lu just completely unleashes him and plays him 30, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, 30 minutes, really, 30 or more. Really, there's no time limit for Robert Covington when he shouldn't be out there because he pretty much probably is the second best center on this team and one of the best forwards on this team, too. So he's been great out there. So there's some idea that even as is now, they have a pretty comparable team to last year's team. And if they get Norm Powell back, that's a lot of juice to throw in a team that badly needs juice. So I'm excited. I can't help but get a little excited. I'm not going to think about Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to think about Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to think about Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) But I am really excited for what this team could possibly do. It's It's unfortunate that they may get their stiffest test pretty early on in the playoffs rather than later. Um, let's hope it's not the Phoenix Suns because Shane Young, um, who's a, who's a buddy of the pod too, is right. The Phoenix Suns are really good. You know, you don't just stumble onto 60 wins this, this casually with some significant injuries before the, the regular season's even over without being really good. They're out to prove a point that last year was not a fluke and you better believe they draw the Clippers and hopefully they don't in the first round, but if they did, they're going to want to make a point. You yeah. know, Chris Paul it remembers things and he's going to want to make a point that last year wasn't a fluke. Even if they don't have Kawhi, they're going to want to beat the hell out of the Clippers. So it's going to be uh, really interesting. And let's hope it's not them, honestly. I mean, honestly, you could argue people will argue about the viability of taking the Suns versus the Grizzlies because no. of matchups. It's not. So close. it's not close. <laughs> <laughs> I also tend to think that the Suns' ready ready nature uh, makes them a lot less desirable of an option there. You know, we did have some good success with them last year, but that's a, that team is as close to a power as yeah. you'll get in the West. So I, I, I tend to kind of be, I tend to be a little bit more interested in Memphis, particularly now with John Morant having that dreaded reevaluated word thrown around. Exactly. Yes. No John Morant. Uh, Yes. Thank you. I will face a team in the playoffs with Tyus Jones as their starting point guard. Yes. (laughs) uh, I will absolutely do that. As good as Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. have been this season, and Memphis is a damn good team, Taylor Jenkins is an unbelievable head coach, I would rather face Memphis by a long, long, long stretch. So, yeah, yeah, the Clippers need to get the job done against Minnesota if that's the team they play um, in the first round. They now have the ability to, I mean, that play-in game, because Paul George, man, he can single-handedly win you basketball games, and he showed that in his first game back yesterday. And you mentioned Covington, and it's funny, because I go back, and I was curious to see what my exact tweet was. When the deal happened, because I don't think a lot of Clippers fans really watched Covington. Um, And if they did, they remember how poor he was with Philly um, towards the end of his stretch and how he was used as the five for Houston and kind of wasn't used properly. So I I remember tweeting, I said, I don't think people understand how good Powell and Covington are. Powell's a sniper and Covington's elite defensively and can spread the floor offensively. What an incredible job by the Los Angeles Clippers front office. And it's true, man. I mean, Powell is indeed a sniper and Covington is elite defensively and can spread the floor offensively. And what Covington can do for this team, and especially during the playoffs when you have those types of lineups that get really funky, is he can just play so many different positions and do so many different jobs and get the defense that you need along with Paul George. I mean, Goodness gracious, Shap. You have guys like Batum, PG, 
and Covington on the floor together, good, mm. good luck if you're the offense, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday's run was spurred along, even their good play, their better play in the first half was spurred when there was a man, uh, George and Covington trio out yeah. there, and then they were just all over the floor defensively. The connectivity defensively really spoke leaps and bounds. Covington, you know, and kudos to you for pointing that out. I think definitely when we covered the trade on the pod um, with me and Lucas, uh, follow, uh, check out Lucas J. Han on Twitter. Great stuff from him. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked more about Norm um, just because Norm was the third scorer we always wanted. You know, he has some defensive capability, some pedigree, a decent amount of pedigree in the playoffs. He played alongside Kawhi Leonard. He seemed like the big get, you know, all the money, uh, everything kind of settled for his money, long-term money. He has multiple years left on his deal. Uh, and Covington wasn't necessarily a throw-in, but he was kind of the secondary look. There was some idea that Covington, last couple of years, maybe had fallen off a little bit. Uh, that was just an idea, though. Honestly, Robert Covington, oh boy. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine this Clipper team without him now. He's an ideal eye test kind of guy. Because stocks are great. You know, he has a great number of... He's I think he's second in the league this season in, in steals and blocks combined per game, yeah. which is incredible considering the how many minutes he plays per game. Um... But really, he's a classic eye test defense guy. I've always kind of thought that defense is all a lot of eye test stuff. You know, where are you positionally? How are you helping on team defense? How are you helping out on the back line? Where are you trying to get defensive boards? It's a big reason why Ibika Zubat is such an unstatable type of guy. Because he makes like five decisions or so in the course of a possession. And he's usually on top of all of them. And you can you can also see the contrast with a guy like... You know, Isaiah Hardenstein, who sometimes misses some of those decisions and, and might make a mistake, but sometimes he doesn't. Covington is like a forward version of Zoo. He's just always knows where to go. He's always helping out on the back line. He reminds me almost a little bit of Kawhi when Kawhi was out there roaming on the small ball units we used to have, even against a team like the Jazz, and just kind of where his head's at when he needs to make a defensive rotation, where he needs to make a block, where he needs to kind of get into space, when he needs to get a board. There's so many things he does, and his hands are everywhere it's yeah. like he has you know the playbook for the other team he just has such great instincts and it feels like his head is always in the game defensively and you know some of that is reflected on stocks but some of that you just need to watch him and every time he's out there and unfortunately just like you know we have a contrast with zoo and Hart, and Hart is not a terrible defender but sometimes he makes the bad bad decisions boy is there a contrast with Robert Covington and Marcus Morris Sr. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And when Mook doesn't have his shot going, the contrast is overwhelming now for Clipper fans who have been watching this team as far as who should be playing. And Marcus was having one of his bad games. I think when sometimes when he's not getting his shots, it might rub off in his defense. He just wasn't moving. He was getting torched repeatedly out there. And, uh, and Covington was not. And Covington doesn't. And co not only that, but Covington is shooting great from the corners like he has been doing all year he's shooting really well um and hit a big three yesterday i want to say too so roko is indispensable right now he's like a cornerstone of wingstop you know like he's he's a guy that uh fits in perfectly with our timeline yeah and he more importantly also is he's able to ease the defensive load a little bit on Paul George yep, and absolutely and, and what he's going to need to do offensively and he being Paul George I mean obviously we saw what happened in last year's playoffs and 
what Paul George needed to do and how he basically is playing the entire second half in games when it was must win because when he came off the floor, they were a disaster. But you now have the ability in Robert Covington who can help him out a little bit defensively and also chip in a little bit offensively as well. And you mentioned yep. the Marcus Morris thing. And it, when the Clippers get to that matchup with hopefully Memphis, it, it's going to be a interesting thing to see what Ty Lue does because Marcus Morris is going to help the Clippers win a couple games with his shot. But he's also going to have those games where he's not shooting well. And we saw that time and time again last year where when his brother was there, all of a sudden he could shoot. When his brother wasn't <laughs> there, he really struggled with his shot. And so it'll be up to Ty Lue to pick and choose his spots when to play Marcus Morris because there's going to be times where you need to play him because you're going to need the offense. There are going to be times where you may not need to play him. And th that's going to be interesting for Ty Lue because we look at the lot, we look at the guys available now, and there's not a ton. Um, you add Norm Powell in that mix, it gets a little more difficult. And Kawhi is the ultimate tease. I mean, everybody thinks he could be back. And I mean, listen, we went through this last year, man. We went through during the playoffs last year. We were trying to figure out is Kawhi coming back, and he never did. And it just feels like it, if we just go into it thinking we're not going to have Kawhi, it makes things a lot easier. And if he shows up, great. If he doesn't, then you know what? run it back next year. It, and next year is really going to be the biggest chance for the Clippers. You get Paul George, Norman Powell and Kawhi all healthy, and then you go after it. Um, so, I mean, it, there's no sense in worrying in my opinion about Kawhi right now. I think the bigger thing is if Norman Powell is able to come in, then that helps the rotations and we'll kind of see what, what goes from there. Yeah. I, I think that's perfectly fine. I think it's good for, you know, Kawhi Leonard comes back and heaven forbid, if he looks like Paul George did on his return so, game, yeah. I'll probably throw every sort of uh, <laughs> of, of not being a homer out the window because yeah. that would be that would be wild. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think it, I think it's perfectly reasonable for people to temper their expectations as far as Kawhi Leonard coming back. If he does great, even if he does, you know, he did suffer a major leg injury, and normally it takes quite a few ball reps to kind of get back to where you were. Usually for ACLs, you, you kind of throw out the, the next kind of year's worth of ball reps, honestly, because uh, you just need to trust yourself. And it takes a while uh, to kind of trust that leg again. So uh, even if he does come back, it's not going to be the Kawhi of old. Um, he could be one hell of a specialist. But um, I think it's perfectly reasonable to kind of approach like you're approaching it. I, I would temper. I'm not allowing myself. I haven't even watched Kawhi Leonard highlights since yeah. he got hurt. Because I just, I can't let my brain go there. Yeah, I don't blame you. And uh, But I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway here is that with Paul George back, the Clippers suddenly have a chance to win any series that they're in. And, yeah. and so that's honestly what we saw yesterday from Paul George. I mean, the guy is elite. He showed it, that he is elite and he can carry this team to a win in any single game. It makes a difference to have the best player on the floor yes. at, at, a, at a given time. And yes. Paul George is good enough that in any single game, he can be the best player on the floor, regardless of who's on the floor, which is crazy because that's not been the case for the past 40 some odd games. But with Paul George on the floor, you can have the best player on the floor in a game. And almost regardless of whoever else is on the floor, because there are players that might be objectively on, you know, a yearly basis better than Paul George in people's rankings, but can he outplay them for a game, even for a series? Yeah, Pro probably, you know, he could do that. He could get on a roll and uh, that makes such a huge difference, such a huge difference. 
All right, before we uh, close things off with a, a couple of this or that, this, folks, you got to stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name to get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on takes just one click and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, it's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. All right, chat. Before we uh, close up shop here, I want to talk about four players. And first, I want to talk a little about Zoo versus Hartenstein. We've we've kind of grazed over it a little bit. And I mentioned that Hartenstein and Zoo have basically been in a timeshare over the last couple of weeks. And Hartenstein's mm-hmm. been putting up some really good numbers. I mean, last night, 14.7 rebounds, 6 assists. He's been getting steals and blocks as well. I, I tend to think this is a matter of, A, limiting Zoo's minutes because he's going to need to play in the postseason. And B, I think the regular season just suits Hartenstein a little bit more and the playoffs will suit zoo a little bit more and Hartenstein may be more of a liability in the postseason. What are your thoughts on the zoo versus Hartenstein? Because Clippers fans have been screaming for zoo every single year. We saw how important he has been the last couple of years in the playoffs. It feels like that's not all of a sudden going to disappear where zoo is not the guy and Hartenstein is the starting center and Hartenstein or is playing more minutes than zoo. It just doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. I don't think zoo has suddenly dropped off, but what are your thoughts on the uh, center matchup? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think zoo is the clear cut starter. I'm a big fan of hearts um, growth through the season. There was a time earlier in the year where he was so good that I almost couldn't believe it. Yeah. I think Paul George is going to make huge dividends for a guy like Isaiah Hardenstein because the guy wants to pass. And when you have a guy that can kind of draw the big off of Hart on drives and Hart can either get an easy look at the rim or pass it off to another cutter or somebody wide open or be that short roll guy uh, with a guy that draws two like Paul George does – I think it's going to make a huge difference for Isaiah Hardenstein. And, and if we can kind of have them together at times, I think it would be really good for his game because he wants to pass. You can't just dump it to Hart on the elbow all the time and hope that he finds back somebody, you know, uh, like a cutter on the back going back door because guys are learning to sag off of Hart because he doesn't want to shoot, you know. He's been a little bit better taking that one dribble to the floater because we know his floater is great, but that's not kind of what he wants to do. He'll take a floater if he's in a little bit of a rhythm going towards the basket. But if a guy's sagging off of heart and he's, you know, 25 feet from the rim, then they're just going to keep an eye out. They're going to make it harder for him to pass. So I think having Paul George is going to pay dividends for him. Zoo is a guy still. Uh, Hart has a lot of variance, you know. (laughs) I mean, I keep using this word variance, particularly on defense. Uh, I think his variance will decrease a little bit on offense because he's such a gifted passer and having – easier passes rather than the home run passes to guys who aren't capable of making catches and a little bit of traffic will be a little bit less and he'll be able to kind of get moving towards the basket with the big sagging off of him a little bit with Paul George out there or maybe even Reggie out there uh, running some more stuff with him rather than him being with a point guard list or a playmaker list lineup. So I have good vibes for Hart's potential now that he'll be alongside an actual point guard a little bit more. Uh, rather than Amir Terrence trying to make things kind of work. So I'm excited for him. But at the same time, I mean, Zoo is our guy. Zoo is just, 
Zoo's made some strides offensively. He's had good stretches offensively. His hands have been better. Um, he's showed us a little bit of a bag as far as posting up smaller guys. Uh, he's gotten a little bit. He's kind of been the same more or less in the short roll game, but he's has some good vision as far as making that extra pass off short rolls. I think this uh, starless stretch did a good job for kind of showing it because Zubats growth. Um, and I think he's just a steadier hand. You know, he doesn't make flashy plays. He sometimes doesn't have, you know, maybe some highlight reel type passes or things like that. But it's a steadier hand versus variance to me with, with Zoo versus Hart, um, especially on defense because Zoo is so sound on defense. Sometimes he'll get out jumped, you know. If there's a springy guy like Mitchell Robinson or uh, Robert Williams, they might jump over Zoo a few times. But it's not because he's in the wrong place. It's often because he's trying to help help out, you know, the the guy who's going towards the rim and he leaves that guy open because he's trying to help stop penetration. So I think Zoo has been great. I think he makes headier decisions, particularly on defense. And he's still the guy I would go with if I had to pick a center to go with, you know, down the stretch. And we might not even pick a center, you know, down the stretch of some yeah. playoff games. So he's still the guy I would go with. If Hart is rolling, then you kind of roll with the hot hand. And there's nobody I trust more to kind of pick and choose than Ty Lue. But I think if you needed a guy to rebound, defend, uh, and just be a big man in a playoff game, it would still be Zoo right yeah. now. I feel like Hartenstein's more of that energy guy and someone that'll keep yeah. you involved. I mean, he was a plus 25 yesterday. And people need to figure – people need to realize that you can't just think about the last couple of games. I mean, you, you can't have – a closed mindset when you discuss these things, when you when you look at these things, because you look at the Clippers and you look at Zoo. One month ago, Zoo had 14 points, 15 rebounds, and six blocks against Houston. 22 and 12 against Houston. The next game, in the middle of the month against Atlanta, 24 and 12, 14 and 15 against Detroit, 24 and 14 against Cleveland. I mean, this guy has been producing as recently as two weeks ago. So yeah. you you can't have short memory when it comes to some of these Clippers and sure he may not have had the best last five games where he hasn't scored double figures. He hasn't rebounded double figures, but he's played 17 minutes in three of those five games. So he's just not playing a ton of minutes and the Clippers are going with Hartenstein right now. He's been on a roll. They're going with the hot hand, but zoo is certainly the guy that I trust in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Hart, Hart has some Trez vibes to him, yes. you know, energy, energy guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, the last one you mentioned um, while you were discussing um, Hartenstein, and that's Amir versus Terrence. And it's funny because I had a conversation with Justin Wilson, who we uh, obviously talked about earlier in the pod, LA Clippers film, and it was during the hot stretch that Amir Coffee was having. And I said to him, who would you prefer next year, Amir or Terrence? And he said he'd rather have Amir. And it's funny because that certainly feels like Clippers fans being in the moment. Sure, you absolutely saw some very tangible skills that Amir could bring to the table with his ball handling, his shooting, his vision. But we also, you got to remember what Terrence brought to this team last year in the playoffs, this energy. And he also wasn't taking that next step. And it feels like he kind of did start to a little bit um, once Amir cooled off recently. So I'll beg the question to you now, um, your thoughts on Amir versus Terrence, because it feels like Amir, who was in the starting lineup um, recently, is now no longer the guy. I mean, he he got in for less than a minute yesterday. So what are your thoughts on Terrence versus Amir? Yeah, 
I don't like one minute for a mere coffee. Um, I think this. I think what the Clippers could use, and we talked about this on the pod we did last night too, yeah. with Justin and Joey. You know, I think rim pressure is an important thing for the Clippers, and I think a mere coffee brings rim pressure. It's tough though. You know, uh, I think Terrence also brings rim pressure. So, I think Terrence and Amir do a lot of similar things uh, as far as ball handling, rim pressure, defense. I think Terrence is our best point of attack defender. So it's really hard for me to take Terrence uh, out of the rotation uh, in general, especially now that we don't have Bledsoe anymore. So really, as far as having a point of attack guy who's not Paul George, I know Rocco spent a little bit of time on Mitchell, but it uh, doesn't quite have the foot speed. Batum can spend some time on these faster guards. But I really like I really like the strides that Terrence Mann has made at point of attack. So I, I think having him on the floor is important. Uh, not for not just for all the secondary playmaking stuff that he can do on offense, his rebounding on offense, but also the fact that he's probably the Clippers' best point of attack defender, especially for trying to preserve Paul George. I don't think we should be burning him at both ends right now, or at all, really. So it's hard for me to want Terrence out of the lineup, considering how good he has been on defense and how kind of unique he is right now on defense being you know a guard that can move his feet and has been really good being doing rear view contests staying in front of guys you know not losing track of guys i, I love what he's done at point of attack so for me you know i, I do think we could have more of a mirror uh, whether if that's at, that's at the expense of somebody like you know uh terrence or maybe uh, Maybe if Reggie's very cold or Luke Kennard, we mentioned on the pod, mm-hmm. uh, being a guy because you have Kennard's three-point shooting. If Kennard's getting swallowed up by a defense paying more attention to him in the postseason, you could absolutely roll with Amir some more. Or you could just roll with Amir more in general. I mean, the things that Amir brings, you know, you think about his ability to get to the rim. I mentioned on, on a tweet a bit ago that he's about 70% at the, in the restricted area, which leads the Clippers as far as like a minimum cap of 50 field goal attempts. That's awesome, man. You know, Amir gets to the cup really well, <laughs> you know, quoting Brian Seaman here. But uh, Amir gets to the rim, you know, really, e- uh, you know, at great. My One of my favorite plays the Clippers runs are those designated handoffs to Amir getting downhill because I feel like he'll either make a good pass or he'll get to the rim and make a good finish. He's so good finishing with that left hand. He just brings different things. So honestly, to me, it's less of a Amir versus Terrence thing because Terrence, to me, I think has made himself invaluable because of his point of attack defense. Yeah. And it's more of like an Amir versus uh, maybe Luke or or if Hart, if we're trying to go smaller, we can have Amir up there, though we need a big like a Covington or something to be alongside Amir because he's not a great rebounder. But if we're thinking about going small, I could give some more minutes to Amir. Um, I just think he's a do-it-all wing. So it's really hard for me to to minimize his role because he does a little bit of everything. And those kind of players are invaluable. And sometimes, honestly, I, I would probably side with the idea of is should Amir be out there or should Luke be out there? And I think Lucas even mentioned this on Twitter too, that uh, that question is a real one because they bring such different things. And Luke, the more shooters we bring back on this team could be slightly redundant despite the, fi- the, the fact that he's as elite of a shooter as they come. Yeah, and Luke played 35 minutes yesterday. and That's a lot. That's man. not going to happen in the postseason. But again, I also don't know if we'll see 10 guys um, appear in a lineup. Um, in the postseason, so we won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it'll certainly be interesting to see what Ty Lue does, and he's a guy that goes by feel, and he threw, that's, that's the best thing about Ty. Yeah, he, he goes I mean, by he, feel. he threw and Luke Kennard in, in there. contrast with Doc. Sorry. Yeah, no, he threw Luke Kennard in there last year when the Clipper, and he just picked the right spots, and so it's possibly does that with coffee, and 
no slight to coffee when I bring up the Terrence Mann versus coffee thing. It just feels like Mann's done it for longer. Mann's a guy that gives you the energy. Mann was the guy that helped lead that comeback against Utah last year. And it just feels like he's the guy that is never, ever, ever going to quit. And I want him on the floor. Amir Coffey obviously does a lot of good things. And listen, they're both young. Amir Coffey's 24. Terrence Mann's 25. So yeah. there's a lot of potential in both guys. But for this year's Clippers team, I just think Terrence Mann makes more sense. And I feel like we went through a stretch where we didn't get the kind of improvement that we thought we were going to get from Terrence Mann. Because in that postseason, he was so good. And you and I talked about it in the pod, uh, in the pod before the season started. I said Terrence Mann is legit sixth man of the year potential. You said Luke Kennard. Good call on you, by the way, because Luke has been really good. <laughs> Um, but Terrence just hasn't taken that step forward that I was looking for, but it still feels like when you need him and in certain spots. And like you said, his defense feels like man is the guy over Amir coffee. Yeah. I, I think you make a good point kind of bringing these guys in contrast with each other. Cause they do a lot of similar things, you know, rim pressure, defense, secondary playmaking, ability to run some pick and rolls, some ability to get their own shots, even though it's kind of a tier under Paul George and Reggie Jackson, they uh, chaos energy, you know, I think these two kind of bring a lot of similar vibes and it's probably why Ty Lu has just kind of des- uh, designated it to Terrence. So I think Terrence has shown a nice ability to kind of thrive in those spots when, when he's the guy, maybe it's why it took him until Eric Bledsoe was traded off the team, just as Winslow traded off the team before we saw a little bit more of a leap from Terrence because he had some redundant chaos energy guys on the team with him. And now he's just kind of the guy and uh, maybe that's why Ter- uh, Terrence is getting a-, a bit of an extended look without Amir in the lineup right now, kind of being the chaos guy with those lineups. Uh, it's a good point. So maybe th- that might be what Ty is doing, but Ty will adjust accordingly. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. And listen, before we sign off, I want to remind you all to use the coupon code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code hoopball on the third page of sign up to unlock, to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So next up for the Clippers, it'll be tomorrow at Chicago. And that'll be an interesting game because Chicago has struggled to beat any good teams this year. So we'll yeah. see what that's like um, tomorrow against a Clippers team that'll have Paul George. He is not on the injury report. So my guess is that we'll see him sit on Friday at Milwaukee. That would be my guess um, because it's going to be obviously a back-to-back with Thursday at Chicago, Friday at Milwaukee, and then Sunday versus New Orleans to round out this week. Perhaps I'll a podcast on Saturday. If not, then I will for sure on Tuesday. Andrew Greif from the LA Times is going to join me on Tuesday as nice. we discuss that Phoenix game coming up on Wednesday and look ahead to Sacramento and OKC. That'll close out the week and will close out the 2021-2022 season. Go ahead, chat. Promote yourself. Where can people find you? Where can people listen to you? Oh, yeah. Um, you can find me. Uh, I have a pretty still pretty new Twitter account, like a year <laughs> in or so, uh, at the law of the jam pod. Um, follow me over there. Listen to the podcast, a lot of the jam, the podcast. 
We just had an interview with Reggie Jackson that went up. Uh, we just did a pod yesterday right after the game. We generally pod uh, after games, unless it's a first game of a back-to-back, then we wait till the second game of a back-to-back. We'll be really pretty active again, especially in the postseason. Uh, read everything that everybody do does with 2 and 3 Hoops. The Law of the Jam is part of 2 and 3 Hoops. It's a Go to that website, 2 and 3 hoopscom uh, Great stuff out there. Um, Lucas Hand, Robert Flom are some of my buddies that run 2 and 3 and that's mostly it. Read that stuff over there. Listen to the pod and keep listening to Brandon. <laughs> hey, there you go. I appreciate that. You can follow me yeah. on Twitter at BD Marcus. And if you like what you hear, go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. Give us that five star rating. Brandon, hey. how is how? Sorry, how's that run, Brandon? With with, uh, with the ant eaters, they uh, the men's team had been going to the the finals for many many years, and then yes. they stopped. They I think they got upset. Uh, how was that run? <laughs> it, it was fun. It was disappointing. And for those of you that are not sure what Shap is talking about, UC Irvine, <laughs> uh, UC Irvine women's basketball. I do the play-by-play for the team. And in the Big West tournament, if, since the Big West is a one-bid conference, it means that it doesn't matter what happens in the regular season. They're not getting anybody from the regular season into the tournaments. Whoever wins the Big West tournament is going to get that bid to the NCAA tournament. And UC Irvine ended up winning their first couple of games and advanced to the final against Hawaii and ended up losing in the final. But it was great to be in Vegas. Honestly, it was great to be back in person calling the Big West Tournament because I did it last year from my office calling the game off the ESPN Plus feed um, while I was literally sitting in my office. So it was way better to be there courtside and call the game and be a part of that run. And they fell just short, but they did go to their third postseason ever by going to the WNIT and took on UCLA, ended up hanging tough with UCLA until the final five minutes. And UCLA now is in the semifinals of the WNIT. So uh, a team that they hung hung very close with is now very close to winning the entire WNIT. So it was fun to go to Pauley Pavilion and call the game there. It was a nice run. It was good to be back. And uh, UC Irvine, has built themselves quite the program. Tamara Inouye has done an incredible job making that program a powerhouse now, and they'll be projected to be in the top two once again, probably in the Big West next year. So cool. That makes me so happy. Awesome. Rip-a-meters. Yes. Rip-a-meters indeed. And until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Shep. And go Clips. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.